Wedge Issues is brought to you by Wispolitics.com, a place where political insiders go for news, opinion, and campaign information. Once again, that's Wispolitics.com. For the second time in two years, Wisconsin legislators can't agree on how to honor Black History Month. And this year, the dispute centers around a Wisconsin native, Colin Kaepernick. I'm Jesse O'Poyan, and this is Wedge Issues, a Cap Times podcast about state government and politics in Wisconsin. This week, I'm joined by my fellow Cap Times reporter, Eric Lawrenson, to run down what happened in the Capitol this week, from the disagreement over the Black History Month resolution to learning a little bit more about the first Black legislator to represent Dane County in the Wisconsin legislature. We'll also talk a little bit about a tax cut proposal, which legislators are also disagreeing about. Stay tuned for that conversation in just a second. Hey, Eric, happy Valentine's Day. Oh, gee whiz. Thanks, Caught Jesse. Caught you off guard there, Oh, God. Jeez. <laughs> um, I generally do not recognize Valentine's Day. I am not a big romantic, I suppose. Do you do anything that is either Valentine's Day related yourself or Galentine's Day? I feel like there are many sort of offshoot ways so many to celebrate. Um, yeah, you know, I, I tend to uh, reach out to my my best gal pals and wish them a happy Galentine's Day. And yeah, not don't do much for, for Valentine's Day myself either. Uh, my dad always sends me some flowers at work, which oh, is super delightful. sweet. But yeah. uh, I think my, my Valentine this year is just... Uh, giving this podcast to all of our listeners that's my valentine to we the, choose the you. wedge issues wedge listeners. issues yeah no that's not sad well so this week not only valentine's day but a lot going on in the in the state capitol it, it seems like you spend a good chunk of your week there this week. I did. The Assembly and the Senate were both in session uh, ostensibly to take up a proposal to cut taxes for middle-income earners, and they did uh, take up and, and pass that proposal, but that is not what garnered the chunk of the headlines no. this week. No, it was not. So, And this has been sort of a, a source of much – it's been kind of an imbroglio and gotten some – National media attention, been a hot topic on the Twitterverse, but basically the Legislative Black Caucus introduced a resolution to celebrate or acknowledge Black History Month here in Madison. And as part of it, they listed a bunch of influential people in Wisconsin history, black leaders, black activists, black business people, what have you. And among the names was Colin Kaepernick. I had no idea it was from Milwaukee, actually. Yeah, so born I, in Milwaukee, lived in Fond du Lac till he was, I think, four years old. So no idea Wisconsin there was a Wisconsin native. connection there. Mm-hmm. Which So uh, I learned something. Well, the other Wisconsin this. connection, of course, is that he absolutely trounced the Packers in 2013 in the NFC divisional playoffs. Right, right, so, right, right. Yeah. yeah, well, let's not speak of that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, that was a source of contention because, of course, Colin Kaepernick has been just nationally the focal point of a lot of dialogue about protest, about um, black rights, about police brutality, because, of course, he began taking a knee during the national anthem before football games. And, yeah, Republicans did not like that he was one of the names included in this resolution. So why don't you why don't you give us a play by play here, Jesse? What exactly happened with this resolution? 
Sure. So uh, the Legislative Black Caucus is entirely composed of Democrats because there are no African-American elected officials in the Wisconsin legislature who are Republicans. So the caucus uh, came together and put together this resolution. They do this pretty much every year, commemorating the the month, acknowledging the history and, and singling out some individuals who, you know, they feel have have excelled in their fields or, or made some sort of meaningful contribution to the state, the country, the world. It's not usually controversial. Uh, the last two years in a row, it has been. Um, this year, it's controversial because Colin Kaepernick was on the list for all of the reasons that you mentioned. Um, you know, some people see him as a sort of a leader in, in the civil rights movement uh, and, and, and someone who's really brought the discussion about police brutality and, uh, you know, deaths of, of black individuals at the hands of law enforcement to the forefront of the conversation. Uh, other people have felt like kneeling during the national anthem is disrespectful. Um, some people have taken issue with uh, something that's been pointed out uh, a few times this week is in 2016 during a training camp, he wore a pair of socks that had mm. uh, pigs wearing police uniforms um, that caught some negative attention. He at the time said that he was uh, making a statement about a quote unquote rogue uh, police officers, not all police officers. But I mean, it's a thing, too, where like this is not a new uh point of discussion in Wisconsin politics, like even during the election last year, right. Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish uh, gotten, I believe she was gotten engaged in like a little bit of a Twitter feud with uh, Mandela Barnes. Then yeah, running for she uh, incorrectly said that, that she had heard, you know, that, that he had kneeled during the national anthem and that starts, first of all, he hadn't. And, and second, it started a conversation of whether that's a, a, a form of protest that, that people are on board with. So Colin Kaepernick was on the list and Republicans said that they were uh, looking to have the list changed. They were going to introduce a resolution of their own that didn't include Colin Kaepernick because they said he's a controversial figure. If they're going to pass a resolution as the legislature together honoring people that they should agree on everyone who's being honored. Gotcha. So let me make sure I understand things. The Legislative Black Caucus, they introduced their own resolution. Mm -hmm. Republicans say... No, let's include a list of figures that doesn't have Colin Kaepernick because we all need to agree on who we're sort of acknowledging as worthy, I guess, of celebration. That's right. uh, For Black History Month. They introduce a new resolution then, and that is the one that is ultimately voted on on Tuesday night. So what happens is Republicans introduce their own resolution without Colin Kaepernick and Democrats vote against bringing it to the floor. I see. Then the legislature moves on, does its debate on the tax bill, which we'll talk about later. Gotcha. Yeah. Put a pin in that. Throughout this process, negotiations are taking place between leaders in the Black Caucus, leaders in the Republican Caucus, trying to find some sort of agreement. Eventually, they come to a compromise. They take the resolution that the Black Caucus originally introduced, bring that to the floor, introduce an amendment to it, which is the same resolution minus Kaepernick's name. They, they remove Kaepernick from the resolution. Democrats vote against the amendment that takes Kaepernick off of the resolution, but then everybody votes for the resolution that doesn't have Kaepernick in it. Okay, but and the end result is? The end result is you have a unanimous vote for a resolution honoring Black History Month, honoring a list of black leaders. It doesn't have Colin Kaepernick's name on it, but everyone has said, we're going to compromise because we want to take this vote. But then very quickly, it seems things like change. things change. Uh, I, I'm blanking on her name. There is a Milwaukee legislator, correct? So it ends yeah. up saying, I want to change my vote. That, I no right. longer am 
I'd no longer feel good. Yeah, very shortly after this vote is taken, Representative Lakeisha Myers, who is a a freshman legislator from Milwaukee, who who gave a speech uh, during the debate. When it comes to Mr. Kaepernick, I was in favor of adding him to the resolution for the following reason. Number one, he was born in Wisconsin. Number two, he excelled in his chosen profession. And number three, he took the onus and responsibility to not just run a ball down a field and be done. He decided to take on ownership of a problem that he saw, which was police brutality. And the fact that we hope everyone in this room recognizes that black lives are important and yes, they do matter. So I want to encourage you to understand where we are coming from. Whether you dislike the method that he used, understand that it is a part of America's DNA, not just African-Americans. Protest, the personal ability to show one's dissent. She, after the vote, says, I, I want to have my vote changed. So she changes her vote to a no, and everyone starts following suit. All of the Assembly Democrats within the next 24 hours eventually change their vote. Can you help explain what exactly happened there? How did that avalanche of vote changing exactly play out? I will explain that, and I will also explain that changing your vote actually does not change the official vote tally. So mm. it's recorded in the, the journal, the history of this session, that these legislators changed their votes to no's, but the official tally is the one that's recorded initially. And so the official tally remains 95-0. The avalanche that, that happened, I mean, Lakeisha Myers was the first one to, to speak up, and uh, Representative Chris Taylor from Madison joined her after that. Uh, overnight, you had some Assembly Democrats kind of joining this, and by the next morning, the Legislative Black Caucus as a whole said, we're all going to change our votes, and we're going to ask that the rest of you do so as well. And essentially, it was, you know, we we thought we could compromise on second thought. This doesn't feel right. This is a watered-down version mm-hmm. of what we wanted to do. We're taking it back, essentially. Gotcha. And, I mean, throughout this whole process, there were already some public reactions happening where there was criticism of the Republican move to dictate, here's who we should be celebrating during Black History Month, given, you know, they're they're taking a resolution that had been proffered to the floor by black legislators and saying, no, that is not who we should be honoring. Here's who we think we should be honoring. Yeah. And got them some flack from certain people out there. David Crowley, representative from Milwaukee, he's the chairman of the Black Caucus. This is what he had to say about it. I know many folks look at him as a divisive figure and unpatriotic, but this is also a man who has done many different things of communities of color, but also for many young boys and girls, no matter their age or race. Some of you may not know, but I was a part of a youth organization called Urban Underground that literally helped save my life. I wouldn't be here in this position without it. One of the individuals who contributed to that organization is Colin Kaepernick. Many folks have not taken the time out to get to know him, but they still judge him. And I say that to say it's an unfortunate time because what I still see happening in in this body 
is a textbook example of white privilege. You had a black caucus put up a bill, put up a, a resolution honoring African Americans. No matter if you believe in their politics or not, it's about honoring the fact that you have black leaders a part of this body who represent many African Americans, if not majority of the African Americans in this state, to say that we recognize these individuals as leaders in the community. Okay, so we've just been talking about how this all played out in the assembly. Like, what happened in the Senate? This is a joint resolution. Both uh, houses of the legislature end up voting on this thing. That's right. So a few, few hours after these assembly Democrats say they want to change their votes, it's time for the Senate to take up this resolution. And the Senate is also in to take up the tax cut, which, again, we're going to come back to that. But also coming in to talk about this resolution and ends up spending about four and a half hours talking about it. And when I say talking about it, I mean Democrats talking about it. Republicans did not speak uh, about the resolution. But the resolution that the Senate was set to take up is the one that was passed by the Assembly. So what did the people who spoke for those four and a half hours, what were they telling their colleagues? What were they saying? So the majority of the discussion was driven by Senator Lena Taylor, a Democrat from Milwaukee, who is one of uh, two uh, senators who are part of the Black Caucus. Um, and, and so she spent a lot of time talking about Black history, the the thing that this resolution is all about. I mean, she talked about oppression that she's experienced, historical oppression. She chastised Republicans for saying we as white lawmakers are going to dictate what the Black History Month resolution can say. Wisconsin white Republicans told not only that body, but this body and the entire country that a white Republican legislator that they're best suited to decide for African-Americans what we should value, who we should honor. The Wisconsin white Republican legislators are going to decide which forms of protests are acceptable she also spent a lot of time trying to get Republicans to answer her questions, and they declined to do so. So she gave a very impassioned speech. She brought in uh, Senator LaTanya Johnson, the other member of the Black Caucus in the Senate, who um, the two of them spent a lot of time talking about racial disparities in Wisconsin and, and how bad they continue to be, how particularly bad it is to live in Milwaukee if you're a black person, how, what, a, what a segregated city it is. They want to decide that Wisconsin's white Republicans don't actually care about Colin Kaepernick's reason for protest. He's protests questionable shootings and the loss of African-American lives at the hands of law enforcement. Is it that you don't believe that that happens or you believe that it's okay? And a lot of other Democrats backed them up and said, you know, we're here to support our colleagues who are part of the Black Caucus who introduced the Black History Resolution. We support them. We think they should have the ultimate say in, in how this is put together. Um, and, and it's not our place to come in and say, you know, this is who we should or should not honor. Um, we didn't hear the Republican side of that debate. Um, 
but it went on they for just quite a while. Weren't gonna touch that one. <laughs> Not gonna. Yeah. Um, so, but what what happened ultimately? What was did they vote? Well, on? there were a lot of procedural maneuvers that are far more complicated than what happened in the assembly. So I won't try to get into them. But um, uh, and eventually, the Democrats voted against the resolution, and the Republicans voted for the resolution. This is the resolution that was passed by the assembly without Colin Kaepernick's name. So the end result here is that the resolution that was introduced by the Legislative Black Caucus ended up getting voted against by the members of the Legislative Black Caucus who wrote it because it's not the resolution that they originally introduced. It doesn't contain that name, Colin Kaepernick. Wow. Um, And I mean, all of this is remarkable that you know, you, you think of a resolution celebrating Black History Month, I think in my mind and other people's minds, like this would be something that would strike most people as like a fairly, you know, a resolution that would be fairly innocuous and easy to to to, to pass. Um, but this is the second year, you say, in which there has been some debate over how the legislature yeah. Um, yeah. celebrates, acknowledges Black History Month. Really quickly, what happened last year? Last year, the Assembly, if I recall correctly, actually passed two separate Black History resolutions. Um, And that was because, again, the Legislative Black Caucus introduced one. Again, it contained a list of specific names. This is generally how it goes. It's different names every year. A Republican legislator, Scott Allen, said, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're doing this. I think that we should do this. But I think that we're leaving off a lot of important people, Democrats and Republicans alike, So his proposal was, let's have a resolution that just honors all black Wisconsinites uh, and for all of Black History Month. The the Black Caucus said that's not the way that we do it. You know, we're, we're looking to highlight individuals. I think part of the argument from the Black Caucus at the time was it's important to highlight individuals so that uh, white Wisconsinites can learn about contributions made in history by, by black individuals. And so we, you know, that we should be spotlighting people individually rather than kind of doing a blanket uh, thank you, everyone sort of thing. Um, so they ended up passing two resolutions last year. And it was uh, there's a little bit of contention at the time, but it really wasn't anything to the uh, the level that we experienced this year. Yeah. But I mean, is is this this sort of weird, this weird story, has it come kind of to a close with the end of this, the the passage of the resolution in, in the Senate? Are we just kind of left with a weird taste in our mouths <laughs> yeah, and we kind of move I, I on at this point? I think that's kind of probably where we are now. Yeah. Um, you know, Black History Month continues for the rest of February and yeah. the Black Caucus has a number of events and conversations that they're sponsoring throughout the rest of the month. So, um, you know, the attention on uh, the intent of the month, I think, will uh, continue. But sure. um, but this debate will will leave us in a strange place. Well, well some, so something that, that came up during the Senate debate uh, over the Black History Month resolution, Senator LaTanya Johnson actually mentioned that it took until 2018 for Dane County to send a black lawmaker to the legislature, which kind of blew a lot of people's minds. It kind of blew my mind when I found out that uh, Sheila Stubbs, representing Madison, is the, the first African-American state legislator to yeah. represent Dane County. Uh, and uh, I mean, speaking of Sheila Stubbs, you just wrote a cover story about Sheila Stubbs, uh, a profile of her. I mean, tell me more about her. I mean, that's it, it's a landmark moment, certainly, for, you know, the for Dane County to send its first black woman to 
the legislature. It is. And uh, I will let her tell you in her own words um, how she feels about being the first and, and what and that I means for her. My mission and my purpose. And as I walked in these doors and I stood here for my inaugural, it touched me because I'm standing on the shoulders of so many of my ancestors and so many greats that have gone before me, given me this precious opportunity, but expecting me to make it better than what it is. And that's why I'm excited to say I will help create pathways for more people of color. Sheila Stubbs was born in Arkansas, but she moved to Beloit as a child. So she grew up in Beloit. She went to a historically black college in Mississippi and ended up uh, moving back to Beloit where her mother, Linda Hoskins, lived. And her mom was watching TV and saw some news coverage of the, at the time, Broadway Simpson neighborhood in Madison, which was a a troubled neighborhood going through just some some really hard times in the 90s. And Sheila Stubbs' mother watched that report and said, we're going to move there. We're going to get involved. We're going to make that community better. So the two of them became really active in, in sort of the transformation, revitalization effort of the, the Simpson Street neighborhood, which is now the Bridge Lake Point neighborhood. And throughout that process, Sheila Stubbs became president of the Neighborhood Association. She ran for the county board in 2006, and she defeated a two-term incumbent to do so. So she has represented South Madison on the Dane County Board since 2006. She, uh, she's a former probation and parole agent, and she's been really instrumental in the county board's efforts to bring uh, community restorative justice efforts to the area, um, to look at sort of alternatives to incarceration and uh, community improvement with ways to sort of get all the, the, the blocks in place from start to finish to have you know, good communities, good jobs, and uh, helping people reenter into those communities if they do end up in the criminal justice system. So in, in 2018, Therese Bursow, who had represented the 77th Assembly District for a very long time, uh, decided to retire, and Sheila Stubbs ran. She won a four-way primary, and now she is representing the area. What was her campaign like? What were some of the issues that she talked about? I mean, I imagine maybe some of the, uh, her work with criminal justice and, you know, rehabilitation, uh, that kind of stuff was maybe... Yeah, it was it was a lot about that. Um, okay. Environmental issues, um, stormwater management, something that she's been working on. Um, education. In, in many ways, her, her campaign sort of was, was checking the boxes that you would check running as a Democrat in Madison. But I think mm. she's got a really heightened focus on um, those criminal justice issues. And she's going to be bringing that to the legislature. It won't stop me. It has to build me greater and build me better and build me stronger because my ancestors went through more. Some of them died. So I can have a right to come in this capital. Some of them died so I could vote. I owe them everything that I have. And I won't stop them. When I look in the eyes of my eight-year-old, I told her this when I introduced the equity plan. She said, Mommy, what is that? I said, to make it better. You will not go through what I went through. It is my responsibility to make it better for you at any cost. Sometimes Mommy's gone a lot. But I'm not in meetings just to be in meetings. It's a voice that's been missing in the room. And I am that voice. And I'm not afraid. And I'm not ashamed. I'm a woman of faith. I'm a woman of hope. And I just believe God put me in this space at this time. And just like President Obama, when people didn't believe in him, but he believed in him. Somebody along the way said, you can do it. The little voice of the little black woman, or the little fire. And I read books, and I go back. What makes me different is I have the audacity 
have hope and be inspired every day. It doesn't matter how bad it is, but if I can wake up and I have breath in my body, in all the activities of my limbs, and I have the movement to move forward, I can't stop. And I won't stop. And that's why I know that my history meets the future. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to go to captimes.com, check out Jesse's cover story. We'll also include it in the show notes for this episode. Um, but in the meantime, let's talk about why legislators were in the Capitol in the first place this week. It had to do with uh, taxes. Taxes. So, um, Tony Evers and Republicans, to some degree, it seems like they are on the same page with some aspects of a tax plan that they're they're trying to yeah, enact. Sort there of. is yeah, sort of. It seems like they're in agreement. Correct me if I'm wrong about uh, this target of like a 10% tax cut for uh, middle income households. Um, however, how to actually make that cut happen seems to be the big sticking mm-hmm. point here. Is that right? That is exactly it. Yeah. Um, like so many of these issues, they agree on the big picture, and the pathway to get there is where things start to fall apart. So Tony Evers campaigned on this tax cut, and uh, he said he would fund it by capping the state's manufacturing and agriculture tax credit, which effectively wipes out uh, state income tax liability for manufacturers and farmers. Uh, Democrats have criticized this as being overly uh, generous to people who earn a lot more than everyone else. Um, Republicans who support it have said this has helped businesses expand and mm-hmm. hire and um, and grow. It's one of those issues that you're just never, I think, going to find agreement on between the parties in terms of uh, whether it's effective and achieving its intended purpose. But uh, Tony Evers said, you know, this is not helping the people who need help the most. So let's cap it at $300,000 and cut taxes for the middle class by 10%. Um, that plan has changed some now. He's actually, his plan would now only cap it for manufacturers, not for uh, the agriculture aspect of it. I see. Um, that being said, Republicans introduced a plan of their own. They said, hey, Tony Evers campaigned on this. We agree with him on it. We're going we're gonna to help him out. We're mm-hmm. going to try to help him meet his campaign promise. Mm-hmm. But not by capping the, the man and ag tax credit. Yeah. So what they want to do is tap into the budget reserves. Um, there's there's money there to fund it right now. Um, so they want to take that money and and just fund it with that, not adjust any taxes elsewhere. They say the Evers plan is a tax shift, not really a tax cut. So that is the plan that they passed this week, the, the one that would tap into the budget reserves. I should note also the Democratic plan would use some budget reserves also, just not to the extent uh, that the Republican plan would. I see. So what are Democrats and Governor Evers saying about the Republican plan? Uh, they don't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the, Governor Evers is is saying he's not going to act on it just yet. He, from the get-go, has argued that this would be better tackled in the budget when you can look at it in the bigger picture of other uh, areas that also need funding and figure out how do we fund everything in this big picture. But he's also saying, you know, he doesn't believe that using the budget reserves is a sustainable way to do this in the long term um, and and that this isn't the best way to give relief um, while ensuring that other priorities can be funded. So he's not acting on it yet. He hasn't said he's going to veto it, but we don't know uh, what he'll decide in the days to come. In fact, in the days that this goes up, we may have new news on that. It's really hard to say. But they continue to be at an impasse like they are on so many issues. So, so many things. 
So long story short, it just sounds like it sounds like it's been a wild and crazy week at the state capitol. It has been that. Well, Eric, thank you for running down, helping me unpack everything that's happened in the capitol yeah. this week. Uh, we'll be watching for the budget in the weeks to come. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Bye. Just like the girls I like to meet. And since my heart still likes to be, I'm coming home. Thank you for listening to Wedge Issues. Our theme music is Oh, Wisconsin by Loxley. We'll be back every Friday with new episodes, so make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts so you can stay up to date. If you have feedback or suggestions, you can find me on Twitter at Jessie Opie, J-E-S-S-I-E-O-P-I-E, or you can email me at J-O-P-O-I-E-N at Madison.com. You can also check out our other Cap Times podcasts like The Corner Table and Mad Splainers. See you next week.